long time since we heard that opening music, hasn't it? But you see, I wanted to finish out this year with a bang and then get started into the next year, bringing everybody back to the fold. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unwired 2020 edition. Even though it's been a rough year, even though it's been a rough year, we are going to put that behind us now and think about the future, think about 2021, think about moving forward. There's been so much that we can cover as we close out this year, but I really wanted to talk about the recent breach, the recent massive breach, how everything is tied together from SolarWinds to Microsoft to the government agencies to the response of the government agencies and to what is next, what we see moving forward. So I've brought a special guest who's actually a security expert. Uh, Welcome, Andrew, to Unwired. Greetings. Thank you for having me. All right. And so we're going to get right into it. What is this all about? We hear breach, we hear breach. Uh We've heard breach for the last couple of years, and it's usually about... um, uh, Equifax or Experian or some credit monitoring company or some Home Depot, Target, they get hit, their credit card database is taken, and you have to scramble to make sure your information isn't stolen. So those are directly impacting us as consumers. But this mm-hmm. is different. Let's start with what happened, when it okay. happened, well, how it happened. We don't the why we can't we can't even begin to speculate on. So we'll just start with um, what happened, when it happened, and why it happened. Well, the why is actually easier to answer. Let me tell you the hardest the hardest part of this to answer is the totality of the what. the 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 summary The brief summary is this: um, a well resourced adversary. Okay, a well-resourced adversary, which the security community is pointing in the direction of Russia or assets belong to Russia, performs a what, what is called an advanced persistent threat over a period of at least five months. Um, actually, more because it started in 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 the March time frame of 2020. It appears to have started in the March timeframe of 2020, at least five months um, of detail, slow, methodical breaching of at least one or two provider systems, large IT systems, getting into that environment, um, getting into that tool, and then leveraging what they breached to get into other um, organizations for the purpose of getting all sorts of data about technology, about those other companies and so forth. And we know that the end game was not uh, solar wind because look at who they leveraged it to get into. They got into, um, they got into um, the, NAC, the Department of Homeland Security, into the Department of Energy, into Treasury, right? There, there are a lot of places that they got into and also other companies. Now, the other difficulty, one of the things, attribution is hard. Let, let's just say that. Attribution is hard. So generally speaking, when you see a hack, it's not just easy to say Bob did it, right? Because if Bob is sophisticated, 
Bob is not going to look like Bob while he's doing it on purpose, right? And not only will Bob try to conceal himself, he's going to try and make it look like Mary did it. And the community came out quickly to say it was Russia. I mean, really, really quick they came out and said it was Russia. Well, because they were able to do it fairly quickly because of the extensive nature. I wouldn't say it was that quick. Because here's the timeline. Quick in terms of once they recognized that it happened. Not quick in terms of, oh, we discovered this early. Because as you said, it started from March. Right. So remember, what happened was, at a high level, a security vendor, about two, two and a half weeks ago, indicated that they had been breached and some of their tools lost. Or stolen. Right? They're not lost, they were taken. And, you know, initially, when people heard about that, you had some people like, oh, you know, that's just going to hurt their reputation, whatever. But the security community understood this. They, they play in a big space against some serious players. And this kind of thing does happen, right? There's, there's no impenetrable network. It just can't happen. If your network is connected somewhere, a legitimate person can get to it and an illegitimate person can get to it. So they, they fessed up that they had had that situation and they began to help their customers understand what the implications were from the tools that they had, that had been taken from them. And then we didn't hear anything for a few days. And then all of a sudden this other breach came out. Well, it turns out that as they were digging deeper into what had happened and how the vectors that had been breached for them, they reached out to the federal government because they work with the, the feds all the time on these kinds of things. And they discovered that the, the indicators of compromise pointed to the so the feds also having an issue. Mm-hmm. The feds realized they also had an issue and they realized what the breach was. And then we learned that there are many, many more people on this list than we had anticipated. Right. It, it really is massive. Oh, it's, it's super massive. You want to you want to hear something? So a report yesterday says this um, a security firm, you know, because other security firms are looking into this. They're saying that there are more people that were breached, which include Cisco, Deloitte, uh, several hospitals and medical organizations of other kinds, okay? Belkin, NVIDIA, Intel, and Digital Sense. So there is a sense right now that it's not only SolarWinds that was an entry point. So it's there's a possibility that there are other, absolutely. And, and we should talk a little bit about the entry point because this is a level of sophistication that we have warned about for years, but we haven't, we've seen a few, remember a few, about a year ago, a little more than a year, more than a year ago, when, um, when some of the hardware vendors had a problem where some of their components might have been, Right. Altered right. in the supply chain. Right, right. From the factory. Yeah. From the factory. Because these factories are all in countries that aren't necessarily our best of friends, but we do business with. Right. So it, it was discovered that these were firmware uh, vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. which is much harder well, to mitigate. Not, not even firmware. They oh, were architectural. A component yes. that were added on the motherboard that would be able to do things and they were eventually caught 
um, not clear who did it, but I mean, at least you know in th- that case what the country of origin, but still you don't know the... the See, the you say not clear who did it, and I think you're being politically mm-hmm. correct when you say that. These are nation-state organized uh, manufacturers. They are not... They're not like... They're not like many companies across the world, which are only beholden to their stockholders, their their engineers, their people. These are actual companies that are controlled by the nations in which they occupy. So, it, to be fair, it, yes, you can say we don't know exactly who, but because we know how these countries operate, they don't normally. You're not going to see companies go rogue in this in, in the sense where we're operating outside of what their government wants them to do but it is fair we will we will say it's fair at this time to say we don't know who is the one who authorized this yeah see and and here's the the trick is in in the case of the hardware one you have um they're operating in china right and and some data gets in there in China, in a Foxconn environment that's mm-hmm. building out these servers for people, right? Um, yeah, the, the fingers point in a general direction. They do. But, but to be fair, from a legal perspective, you know, from a political perspective, you can, you can use more leverage and there can be a little bit more nuance. But from a legal perspective, it'd be hard to sue oh, them yeah, or yes. seek address because there's enough separation between them and the activity but yes, yes you're right yeah. so now, now in, in this, mm, go ahead i wanted to bring up something it's a little it's a little bit off topic but you mentioned the mm-hmm. hospitals being hit so okay. i want to i want to go sidetrack for a few minutes to just okay. talk about what these breaches uh can do and my family was affected by one of those breaches because one of the hospital systems that was um, breached, and this is about two years ago, was a hospital system that we participate in. And they had to go back to paper for a time being. Their information was um, hijacked. There's a, there's, um, for some reason, I just missed the term. Their information was, uh, it's not blackmail, but it was locked down until they paid uh, a certain amount of money. And to this day, I don't know if they paid or not, or they were able to recreate their data. I know of a city in Maryland whose information was was um, also taken, and they didn't mm-hmm. pay, and it took them months mm-hmm. to recover. In fact, mm-hmm. but but we can talk about the infrastructure. The issues they had there were not just software issues, were not just Correct. security issues. They had a terrible infrastructure where they were running mm-hmm. USB drives, just random from the local store USB drives as their backups. And so mm-hmm. they had no system in place. So there's a lot of mitigating circumstances when you hear about these different, um, these different security issues. But since we're speaking specifically, I just wanted to talk about the hospital part and, and what a devastating thing that would be in a time like this. We're trying to distribute... Oh. Um, vaccines, you're trying to keep a paper trail, when the vaccine's coming, is it kept at the proper storage, who is it going to? If we were to lose access to that data now, it would be devastating. 
So, well, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing. People get, have this impression that cyber attacks are all in this version. There are these physical attacks, right? So I don't want anyone breaking into my store, but if they steal some of my data, you know, it's a little bit of a problem, whatever the case is. Well, identity theft on a personal level is painful. Very. Identity theft at a corporate level can be equally painful and even more devastating, right? Can be more devastating. We've seen companies just utterly fail because of a business compromise where someone fooled someone into sending a wire to some other place and now bank that now the, the company owns no money can't pay can't do their payroll and game over right game over right um and here interacting with a with a hospital um being on a network where you can see critical systems being able to alter dosage information or or um, conceal, you know, what happens when people are supposed to get X number of doses and that information is gone. And you don't know whether you can give them another or not. And, and it's all electronic now. So the person may not have it in their hand. They may not have kept the paper copies. There are physical ramifications for cyber activities and, and attacks. Yeah, you see, and even that statement opens up a whole ton of questions in that um, I'm trying hard not to get so far afield because I still want to I want to finish this particular story. So let's go ahead and finish this and then okay. I'll come back to some of my other questions. OK, so how did this happen? We, we at least the way we understand it right now. OK. How did this happen? It says altogether up to 18,000 organizations may have downloaded the Trojan. Listen to how this happened. At some point in time, the, the assailants did a really sophisticated phishing attack, a spear phishing attack. That's where you're not just broadcasting a bunch of things to a bunch of people, but you're targeting your specially crafted message for a specially targeted audience. And they did a spear phishing attack into the development team at SolarWinds, right? And once they got that person or persons to fall for this thing, they gained access to the machine. Once they got into that network, they took some time and figured out how to get into the development processes. And they inserted some malicious code into the development process, made sure that it got, um, that it was, uh, a, the digital certificate was associated with it, so it looked pristine, and it, it was now a part of an official release mm. that SolarWinds made. So SolarWinds now using their own distribution, their own whatever, delivered this thing um, to its a set of customers. They did not act on it right away. Customers got in there, they evaluated it, they did whatever, they deployed it. And then they start now the assailant because their code is now running in these other places who they didn't have to do any phishing attacks to or anything of that sort, right? Because this is a supply chain attack. Mm -hmm. You attack someone upstream and the results of it end up downstream. 
where where people are going to be affected. And and this took months of waiting. And they waited until they got in there and then began to leverage um, began to leverage uh, the access that they had and ultimately with a goal of getting into the government, but they also got into other tech companies because that's a gateway into other organizations. Right. Microsoft has said that it has identified more than 40 organizations that were affected by the solar winds breach. So it's tendrils. It just, it reached deeper yes. and deeper and further and further. Yes. So what, what was taken? What was taken? Yeah. Um, I think that's too early to establish. Um, they clearly, what they were doing was getting an idea of who was connected to whom. Because they, we know that in the case of SolarWinds, at least they intercepted messages. We know that they intercepted messages in the case of the Department of Treasury. Um, so they they wanted information about who's connected to whom and what kinds of things that are going on at the government level. You know, they're going to care about what strategies and tactics and approaches. The government is using and for companies they're going to want to know what their customers are and, and who they're how they're interacting with them so they can reach whoever else they care about reaching the technical companies you want to reach for two reasons one because understanding that tech understanding what its weaknesses are is going to be very influential for you um, to leverage elsewhere that's one and two because interfering with the tech Tech is a, is a huge part of the economy of the United States. You debilitate that and, and you cause economic harm. So now, how was this breach discovered? So this breach was discovered because a security firm, in this case FireEye, recognized that it had been compromised even though it was a very sophisticated attack long-term, they realized, you know, because they've got tools all over the place in their environment, and they were able to discover that their environment had been traversed by people it should not have been traversed by, and that access to its tools had been, had been breached. And they then told, you know, they then put in place things to, to disable their tools, that they, that they have created in order to do their attacks and countermeasures and all that kind of stuff. They then put some, um, you know, they had kind of planned for this day in a certain way. I don't think they expected to lose all of it like that, but they, they put into effect the mitigations for those tools and started speaking to their customers so that they would know that these things have to be done in order to prevent those tools from operating. And they spoke to the federal government because, you know, the federal government is also a customer of theirs and there are other relationships that they have there, especially when they recognize who it is the attacker, they need to let those folks know. And in that, in that area of discussion, the federal government realized, oh, wow, not just you. And so that's how they discovered other people, and that's how they were able to triangulate where the attack is coming from and where it was originated and who was involved. Microsoft got involved because there was some Office 365 implications as well. It doesn't seem to be direct at this time, meaning they didn't break Office 365 at a 
massive cloud level, it looks more like they broke specific instances of people's, you know, specific tenants, because those tenants may or may not have been doing all of the things that they needed to do. But we do know that they, they were able to manipulate two-factor, um, they were able to manipulate two-factor data. So this thing, this thing keeps growing. We're not going to have a full answer to this. You know, you know when a, a, a major plane crash occurs and the, the, um, and the folks from the transportation, um, the FAA and the transportation folks, and they come out and they try to recreate everything and it takes a bunch of months before you get the report right. on what actually happened. Yeah, we're in that kind of a stage here because the scope and severity of this thing is unprecedented. And I don't generally like that word because we have used it an unprecedented number of times in 2020. It's but good reason. it is, in fact, unprecedented. We have not had a single breach. Where, and, and we don't even know that it's a single breach. Right now, it's not even fair to say it's a single breach. We've spent the better part of two weeks saying that it's a single breach. But the truth is, it's beginning to look like it's much broader than a single breach. It, it's certainly a single um, attack program, right? That part is clear. But it, it's not a single breach. Um, a few people have, have already said, I think we're going to find, as we untangle the knot behind this, I'm reading a quote, that SolarWinds was not the only victim and that FireEye was not the only victim in its space. So we still need to determine what started where this may have started from. Well... No, 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 no. I would, I wouldn't say it that way. I think that the way that Solar Winds was attacked was also the same way. We know that Solar Winds was attacked through a spear fishing campaign that was successful, that led to the compromise in their supply chain. That same approach was probably used for everyone else that was attacked. But what we're saying is that Solar Winds—it's not that there was someone that was compromised to get Solar Winds compromised. Solar Winds was a source of initial compromise, they, they may not be the only one. It is likely that they were not the only one who was spearfished to become an original source of compromise. Okay, okay. Right? Okay, so right. a SolarWinds competitor, someone else in that kind of a space who, does, um, who has systems that do monitoring or operate in that kind of an area, man, remote management for, um, for multiple organizations, the same kind of thing would have happened there. Spear phishing attack on them, get access to that network. Now you have access to all their customers through their tool set. As an example, here's one example. Attackers have been using a zero-day vulnerability in VMware's access and identity management product to attack government systems, according to the NSA. VMware confirmed that it was notified of the vulnerability by the NSA, and they released a patch earlier this month, earlier in December. VMware also confirmed that it found instances of compromised SolarWinds software in its environment, but said that it saw no further evidence of exploitation, right? Meaning their thing may not have been, um, they may be using SolarWinds, but not in a place that can be leveraged to do other stuff. Or maybe it's early in the process where they're investigating, you know, where the assailants are tracking that. Um, the, the thing, the trick that's being used, and this is why we know it's so deep. According to the NSA, 
the VMware attack was sophisticated because the attackers used VMware's own um, communications channels to exploit it. The NSA found the exploitation activity inside TLS encrypted tunnels associated with the software's management interface. Wow. So, so what they did, what was done was to infiltrate not just a spot that most people don't look at. It's, it's really infiltrating a spot where they can get things downstream rather than focusing mm -hmm. just on the company they infiltrated. And, and not only that, when they break into the company, you know how you look in the movies and what does a guy do? He breaks into a place. Well, usually he gets janitorial clothes that match the, the clothes of the place he's breaking into so he can wander into the halls of that place and look and look um, normal. This, this is to put this attack in a, in a, um, in, in a physical context. Imagine that you, at this time of the year, that you send a, a vendor, let's say that a, a hospital, we'll go back to your hospital example, let's say that a hospital uses a certain, a certain cleaning company, and you send greeting cards to that cleaning company, okay? Greeting cards with a USB key that's supposed to be some special thing. And that the greeting card, the people then use that, that USB key. And because of that, because of whatever they do there, you're able to go into their place and get, oh, you, you get them to accidentally ship you um, a, a uniform. Then you take that uniform now and you go into the hospital because you know who their customer is mm -hmm. and you go into the hospital in that uniform and you can do things at the physical realm because you now look like you belong there and you're using all of the channels that were there. Or right. even to take it further back, you breach that system and get hired deliberately by the company, by the cleaning company to be assigned to this place so that you're completely on the up and up with the key, having the right key card, having the right protocols, having everything. Right. That's essentially what happened in the technology realm. They 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 took a long process of breaking into a system at a level where code is designed, getting their code to be part of that mix, waiting for the whole thing to get delivered in the normal way that it gets delivered, waiting for those customers to download it and install it and upgrade what they have. And then leveraging the code that they had, which is operating through the channels of the software that's already there. Okay, so now we've discovered the, or now we've talked about the how, mm -hmm. and we've talked about even the why. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is, how does this affect the regular person? Let's put politics to the side for a second. Um, we understand uh -huh. the person who was in charge of the, of the, um, the division that would have taken care of this. He was recently fired for um, right. for not agreeing. So he wasn't there. Now, he was there while it was going on. He was Correct. in charge while this breach was going on. But not mm -hmm. looking at it from a political standpoint of who or why or whatever, what was, his, what was his job? What was their job to do which could have mitigated this problem? Well, okay. Um, again, as you, as you requested, not going to look at this strictly from a political standpoint, but... I, I think that we need to understand 
that even though this all rolls up to one person, a single person is not putting in place all of the things that, that, that will make this work. You, uh, an organization, a government, an agency needs to have a commitment to security that covers having the right resources, the right approaches, the right people, the right technologies, the right processes, right? Um, oftentimes, what I find as I work with customers all the time is that people don't like the impact of a, a breach, but they're not doing that much to prevent it from a process people resources standpoint. They're not deploying the right technology. When they deploy it, they don't have the right people looking at it or they don't look at it. They don't have processes that, that, that enable them to, to do anything about it. So the government, you have to know that you have an adversary that's doing, you have to recognize and admit that you have an adversary that is, that is pursuing you in a particular way. If you don't admit that, you're not going to take any of the steps to, to, to do that. If you move into a neighborhood where people sell steel cars all the time, but you don't think that that's going to apply to you, you're not going to do the few extra things you should do in that neighborhood versus a different neighborhood and your car will be stolen. Mm -hmm. Right? You, you'll do things like, I'm just running into the store. Let me just run in and come back, leave the car running or, leave the, right? You Which... do things that you would not do if, if you actually believed that the environment was unsafe. Which actually for, for that happened, kind of that exact scenario happened to someone recently. You know, you they let their guard down. They ran into a store. They said they thought it was only going to take a few minutes. They left the keys and in, in running in the car, and the car was stolen. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, right? they didn't take regular steps to protect themselves. Um, and they, or they took regular alone. steps. Or they took regular steps most of the time and let their guard down once because to be breached. You don't need to be lax for 10 years. You just have to be lax when the person was attacking. Right. Hmm. Right. So, so the, the, the thing is, do companies take security enough? I, I saw a report that suggests that, that solar wind and these things are always going to come up as soon as there's a breach. We saw it with, um, with Capital One some months back and we saw it with Equifax, Equifax. before. Oh, yeah. but, when what will happen is um, people are going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to say, oh, we've been telling them that there was weakness in this area or that area or this other area for a long time. Sometimes it's egregious, like with Equifax. Um, the Capital One may, you know, it seemed like in the Capital One case, for example, they had had a commitment to it, but then management changed and they have a commitment in a different direction. Um, sometimes it's people who are, um, you know, who feel that it could have been better and it may not be, be substantiated by anything. But the fact of the matter is we're going to see that. We're going to see that every company makes some sort of a risk determination. How likely is something going to happen to me? And where am I going to put my effort in protecting myself? Because I don't have unlimited cash and I don't have unlimited resources. So, okay. Now, barring that, we, we often mm -hmm. go over what can we as a regular consumer do to protect ourselves. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we need to do a show on two-factor. I want to have a whole show just on two-factor authentication because I have okay. a lot of problems with it. Um, mm -hmm. We have to 
we need to talk about, uh, you know what, we need to make this a regular segment. At least once a month we have to do a security show, plain and simple. It's just becoming too important, um, and I, I don't think people really know what, how many vulnerabilities they have in their daily lives. Um, right. there's, there's some people who go extreme, they're off the grid, they don't want anything to do with anything electronic, and that's not feasible for most of us. But there's also, what can you do about your regular router? What can you do about changing passwords? What, what are basics that we can do so that our cars are not left running in any old neighborhood? Right. And right. what can we do to step it up where, like you said, we don't have unlimited resources, but if we target mm -hmm. our resources properly, how can we uh, really put our best money to use? How can we, uh, best money, how can we best use our money to protect ourselves? The finances well, that I'm we gonna, have. I'm going to say one, one thing on that, because we definitely do need to do a show, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the stage for how that conversation is going to go. We have power at the time of the sale. After that, a lot less. Mm -hmm. And we Consumers are going to have to become more intelligent about the potential risks and then purchase according to those organizations that are being more diligent than less diligent. We need to let business, businesses know, we need to let vendors know that if they don't take it seriously, they were not getting our money. As long as we don't do that, we're going to get technologies that are ridiculously vulnerable and that have all of these problems, Right. Mm -hmm. we're going to get things, you know, fridges that can connect to everything and everyone can connect to the fridge. We're going to get things with IOT devices, cameras that just are busy broadcasting information and doing all sorts of things that are not, are, that are not cool when you find out about what it is. And, and so the first order of business is if you want to be more secure, you need to understand what the risks are. If you go along like Mr. Magoo pretending or not realizing that there are difficulties, you may have near escape, um, but it'll all be luck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one day it'll run out. Well, look, um, you, you brought up another thing that I wanted to talk about, but uh, we're sort of out of time. Um, I, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about um, the Internet of Things. Why are all these things open? Why are all these things accessible from the web? And I know some of them aren't. Some of them were because of hooks that people were able to put in. But the, the, I remember a time when nothing was on the Internet. And now it seems everything is on the Internet. Um, mm -hmm. Hospital records, it seems that things can get accessed pretty, fairly easily from the Internet. So we've gone after ease rather than security. But like I said, this is these are conversations that are going to be ongoing and they're going to be more crucial each and every day. So once again, Andrew, thanks for joining us here on Unwired. Very welcome. I appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, and um, listen, we're coming back in the new year. Stick with us. We're going to have many more episodes. We're getting back to our weekly show. Um, there's a lot to talk about tech-wise. There's been so many new things that have come out. 
But uh, stick with us. Have a happy new year. Merry Christmas. And see you in January.